Aloha, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Triple F Podcast, Faith and Family First. And what we're going to be talking about is while everybody else across the nation is celebrating the decision of the of the Dobbs decision, we've got a lot of blue states that are gearing up for the attacks that are coming up. And so we're going to be talking with my counterpart in California, Jonathan, and he's going to tell us what's happening there. So let's chat about that. Welcome to the show, Jim Hochberg. Welcome back to Hawaii. Welcome back to, well, that's right. I was away with my family policy brethren, which brings us to a great way to introduce Jonathan Keller, who is the president of the California Family Council. Jonathan, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Eva and Jim, for having me. Great to be with you. And Jim, great to meet you virtually. And Eva, good to see you after, gosh, what, 72 hours, 96 hours? So <laughs> yeah, it's was, nice to be back. I was telling everyone, Jonathan, that every time you and Jason from New York get up and, and share what's happening, I like to follow them when they do those updates, because then I can just said what he said, what he said, right? But this time, they kind of threw me for the loop. And when the that came up, they didn't go first. So I had to go up first. So I thought that was kind you of- You weren't brave enough to say, well, whatever Jonathan Keller is going to say, that's us. Well, actually, I didn't have to do that because our counterpart in Massachusetts, Andrew Beckwith, he got up and he did a pretty good job of saying what some of the blue states are dealing with. Didn't he, Jonathan? Yeah. I feel like every year when we do these um, events, it's kind of on the first night we have kind of that event where we just give a two minute update from all the states. And I always feel like it's a competition between you and me, Hawaii and California, along with uh, New York, Massachusetts uh, and Washington state to try to figure out which state has the craziest, most nutso legislature on all these different issues. Well, and I think one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is because our legislature here in Hawaii loves to look at California as the answer to all of the world's ills. They bring more ills onto us and then they, you know, they, they want to celebrate what California is doing. But I really want to hear some of the things that you're, you're dealing with there in California, because I think that I want our viewers and listeners to kind of be prepared for what could come down the pike in January when our session opens up. So why don't you tell us about the infanticide bill, um, AB2223, that I've heard so much about. Yeah, so this is a bill, AB2223, that was introduced earlier this year by Assemblywoman Buffy Wicks right here in California. And it is a really shocking bill that I think is playing on the emotions of a lot of people, especially in a big blue state like California, who are just terrified. They were terrified pre Roe v. Wade being overturned. And they're even more scared now that this is going to mean somehow that women are going to be going to jail because of abortions. And California is actually using these incredibly tragic stories and they've really blown them completely out of proportion. Um, as an example, in the state of California, in central California, we had a district attorney uh, down in Kings County, which is about an hour south of where I live in Fresno. And he basically um, put a woman into jail because she had been a drug addict. And as a result of her consistent drug use, um, she had a stillbirth. Um, it was pretty clear, obviously, that she knew, I mean, she knew she was pregnant and she endangered the life of her child. 
And the tragic thing, Eva, was this was not her first pregnancy. This was not like it was a surprise. Um, this was actually, if you can believe it, this was her eighth pregnancy. Um, and she had had multiple other children who had already been born and had been taken away by the state, put into foster care services. And finally, this district attorney said, okay, you know, it, it's, it's tragic, but it's obvious that um, you're living a very difficult life. You're not getting the help that you need. And the law is going to have to intervene because now a child has died as a result of this drug use. So as a result, the state of California completely overreacted and they said, well, Obviously, this is an example of what happens when you have a so-called out-of-control district attorney. And now we're going to use a sledgehammer to swat a fly in trying to correct this uh, alleged um, you know, misgiving of justice. And we're going to basically say that no coroner, no sheriff's department can prosecute or investigate a perinatal death if it is um, something that occurs, again, perinatal, meaning within a basically the first 28 days after a child is born. And as you might imagine, um, that dramatically uh, scared a lot of us here in California because we realized that you're basically um, tying the hands of law enforcement and you're potentially opening up the door for infanticide, not just legal abortion, not just even late-term abortion, but we're talking about um, post-birth killing of children and the hands of any investigators would basically be tied. You would not be able to either prosecute or in some cases even investigate. And if there was a district attorney like this man in uh, Kings County that said, you know, we're, we're very concerned, we, we have to follow the law, we, we believe that this was either deliberate or it was at best, I mean, at minimum, it was manslaughtered. This child died because of the reckless endangerment of the mother. Um, that could put any law enforcement officers on the hook for a personal liability lawsuit. They would not be covered by their department. They would not be covered by insurance. And it could be $10,000 or more for every individual who was personally involved. So as you imagine, this, this dramatically scared a lot of pastors. It scared a lot of pro-life advocates because it really is opening the door to something very scary. So and that's can, why me, it was can, such can a huge a issue. I'm, sure. I'm a little bit confused. So it was a stillborn baby. That means she tried to give birth, but it had passed away in the process or before or whatever. So right. we're not talking hospital. about an abortion situation. We're talking about a birth and subsequent. Right. Wow. Right. And, and that's the thing that in that phrase, we tried to talk with a state sem senator or state assembly member of Buffy Wicks, and we tried to warn her about this. Now, she did in the in the end, after multiple lobby days, after multiple campaigns to get her to try to realize what was going on, she finally, I mean, literally, Jim and Eva, we brought over 2000 people to the Capitol uh, in April. And we had all these people uh, rally outside the Capitol. We had them go and visit all their legislative offices. And despite the fact that they did pass the bill that day, she ultimately decided to amend the bill and remove that one word perinatal. So that is a victory in a sense, because it, it does clarify a little bit the fact that she's not saying that you could, you know, smother a child at 28 days post birth. But at the same time, those initial other considerations and those other concerns remain. Uh, the fact that it still ties the hands of coroners, it still ties the hands of law enforcement and threatens them with litigation. 
it basically now has just added a phrase to say, well, um, the women, the woman is indemnified if it's a cause that occurred in utero. But again, this is something that is very scary because cause that occurred in utero, this could also mean that uh, you could have a woman who decides at the last minute that she's going to try to have an abortion at, you know, nine months along. And she would basically then be completely uh, legally protected um, from any action she takes to try to harm herself or trying to harm the baby if it results in death. Um, so overall, just a really bad bill. Um, I, I think, look, Eva and Jim, we agree. I don't think any pro-life advocate believes that a woman who has a tragic miscarriage from a car accident or from, um, you know, she's, she's attacked by her abusive boyfriend. I, I don't think that any woman should ever be prosecuted for a miscarriage for a stillbirth. Um, if it's something that was a, a truly an accident or something that she had no control over. But I, I think that the law really does have a place to try to step in and protect unborn children from the actions or the, you know, gross negligence of their parents. And I think that applies both before and after birth. So it was, it's really sad to see the state of California trying to push the boundaries of abortion even beyond the due date. Does it also protect that abusive boyfriend that caused her to have the miscarriage? Well, that's a great question. And there's, there's a very kind of nebulous term in here where it says that the, um, the, the abortion or the death of the fetus, if it's caused by either the mother or someone who is assisting her, quote unquote, in exercising her reproductive rights, as long as the cause of death occurs in utero, um, then the, uh, the individuals would be indemnified, they would be protected. And I, look, I hate to say it, but you think of all the tragic stories, tragic situations we hear about women who are in domestic violence situations, you could very easily see an ab abusive boyfriend who, who you know, punches his girlfriend in the stomach, causes her to miscarry, and then basically threatens her life if she reports him to the police. And in this case, it's, it's highly possible that she would be, uh, or he would be indemnified as a result of this. So it's, it's really, I think, just opening Pandora's box, even with removing that phrase perinatal death, it really is making the job of law enforcement a lot more difficult. That's, that's so good. And you made a really good point. And I really want our viewers and listeners to understand this, you know, living and fighting at the state capitol in blue states, sometimes a win is a very small thing, like getting the bill changed in a small way. And I know that, you know, Jim, you and I talk about this all the time, how we wish we could go down to the Capitol and have them be so excited that we're there and thank us for our great work. You know, and Jonathan, I know that you feel that way as well. So I, you know, I just want to remind our viewers that it's really important to stay plugged into your family policy council in whatever state you're at, because a win could be anything as big as in the red states or something as small as, as changing some wording in the bill. So we really appreciate your hard work on that. So Jonathan, what is the status of the bill right now? Well, right now it is waiting some additional hearings. Um, it has been through the Senate Health Committee. There was a very uh, lively hearing, to put it mildly, between uh, state senators um, Melissa Melendez and Shannon Grove, who really grilled Assemblywoman Wicks about this bill. Um, and, and frankly, she was not able to really answer the questions. I was really grateful to see these two stalwart uh, pro-life ladies, both of them military veterans. So uh, surprise, surprise that they were just like a dog with a bone on that. They were, they were just relentless in pushing back on this. And 
it is still going to be heard in the Senate Appropriations Committee, then back to the full Senate floor, and then it'll have to have a concurrence vote in the assembly. Um, unfortunately, even with those changes and even with all the ruckus that we've raised on this, um, just knowing the current makeup of the legislature, I, I would be a little surprised if this does not ultimately make it to Gavin Newsom's desk. So, so Jonathan, in, in California, if a House passes a bill, the sponsors get interrogated by the senators? That never happens here. Well, I, I will tell you, that is the one one advantage of still having a uh, a tiny remnant of Republican pro-life senators. Uh, I, I don't want to make it a partisan thing because I know that, you know, CFC and I think um, Hawaii Family are both um, uh, nonprofit C3 organizations. But just being honest, it's very rare that we have anybody from either party that actually speaks out. In this case, it was two Republican women, uh, both there on the health committee. Um, and again, unfortunately, um, one of these women, she's, she's a great, great friend. Her name is Senator Melissa Melendez. She is, because of term limits, she is out of office at the end of this uh, year. And I think she kind of just decided, you know, damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. Uh, she, she didn't have to save any of her bridges and just, you know, kind of lit a match on the way out of town. So that was, uh, that was great to see that she was willing to say, look, I don't have to, I don't have to get any of my bills through this house next year. So you're going to hear from me, you know, <laughs> straight off the cuff. That well, could be fun. Well, I'm, I'm laughing because you already said the name Governor Newsom. And I think that whether you're in Hawaii or you're in California, there are people that are like, oh no, please don't run for president. Please do not run for president. So I just know there's craziness. Um, I want to ask you um, what California is doing in response to the Dobbs decision. But before we get to that, why don't you let people know what your website is and how they can contact you if they want to find out more about the California Family Council? Sure. Well, thank you for that. Our website, very simple, is just californiafamily.org. Um, that's our main website for our 501c3 organization. You can um, make a donation if you want to, but I would say that only make a donation if you're watching this in California. If you live in Hawaii, donate to Eva's organization <laughs> um, because I know I, I'm always leery about uh, taking out-of-state dollars because we have so many great friends and allies around the country. Uh, I want everybody to focus on uh, fighting the battles closest to home first. But but if you live in California, if you're watching this uh, in Los Angeles or San Francisco or Orange County or or Fresno, somehow. Um, please, yeah, we would appreciate your support, californiafamily.org. And you can also find us if you just uh, search California Family Council on Twitter, on Facebook, on YouTube, you can find all of our videos, all of our posts, and all the, all the social media stuff there. And if you're not um, necessarily watching from California or Hawaii, and but you know somebody who lives in those areas, then forward them the link to this YouTube, like, subscribe, share, and let's get some numbers out there. For those of you listening on the radio, um, obviously you don't have that kind of privilege, but go and visit us on YouTube and find out how you can plug into your state family policy council. So Jonathan, in these last few minutes, tell us what California and how they're handling the Dobbs decision, because I know just like Hawaii, they're already trying to figure out how to strengthen abortion and access to abortion. Oh, absolutely. So basically, California is really proactive, unfortunately, when it comes to the issue of abortion. Last year, some of you might have seen national news, uh, Governor Newsom faced a recall, and he somewhat unsurprisingly um, he was able to beat that back pretty easily. And as soon as that recall was done, 
he basically started looking at ways that he could strengthen his profile. Maybe it's for a run for the presidency. Maybe it's just for reelection this year. But late in 2021, he put together a group of 40 state and national organizations that he uh, wanted to gather to advance and expand abortion in the state of California. Now, Eva, I know a lot of times, especially our friends in red states, they're used to the fact that they have to use euphemisms when they're talking about abortion. Uh, so they might call it, if you were putting together this group in, a, in Texas or in Florida, you, you, know, you might call it the Reproductive Justice Coalition or the Women's Rights uh, Foundation or something like that. But not in California. In California, you are loud and proud when it comes to abortion. <laughs> and they literally called this group the uh, Future of Abortion Council. I mean, that is that is how brazen they are. They are looking at California as the vanguard for abortion for the entire country. And basically, in putting this together, they said, look, uh, they released this report right after the Dobbs oral arguments in December, before we knew a decision, of course, but just weeks after that uh, oral argument on December 1st. And in releasing this, they said, look, um, we're anticipating that uh, Roe v. Wade could be gone, and we want California to be prepared to become the sanctuary state for abortion for the entire country. And some other states around the country have said similar things. Even, even when we were at the conference, we saw people from uh, Illinois or Massachusetts or other places say, yeah, we want to be a sanctuary state for abortion. But the difference is with California, um, we are the largest state in the nation. We have 40 million people. We have over, if you can believe it, we have over 160 abortion clinics just dedicated to abortion, abortion clinics within the state of California. And then in addition to that, we have over 400 other locations, such as hospitals and other surgical centers that also perform abortion. So together, it's over 500 locations within our borders that perform abortions. In addition to that, we had a massive budget surplus this year over $97 billion with a B, billion with a B. And the incredible thing about that is it means California is now looking, how can we spend this money, the, the tax paying dollars that have been earned from California residents, how can we spend that money to actually incentivize people to come here to California? Um, one of those bills, we did, I know we, we're almost out of time, but quickly, SB 1142, they're actually talking about flying people in from around the country. And if they get to the state of California, not only will they pay for the abortion itself, but they'll reimburse you for your hotel, for your food, for potentially lost wages, if you had to take time off of work. Um, the most The most grotesque thing to me, Eva, is that they actually say, they will reimburse you for childcare expenses. So if you have to have someone take care of your born children while you fly to California to kill your unborn children, uh, California has a plan for that. I, it just breaks my heart. I, I, I know that the talk of abortion, and I know that we might have some listeners and some viewers who may have experienced that. And again, as always, you know, we don't judge anyone who's had to make that choice. We want to love people. We want to we want to reach our hearts out to them. Um, so if you're someone like that and you're listening right now, you know, send me an email at eva at hawaiifamilyforum.org and I'll get you plugged in um, if you need to get some counseling. I don't want to minimize that, but I do so want... So Eva is so much more compassionate than me. <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, wow, can I get a free trip to California by claiming I'm a woman, I'm identifying as pregnant? 
So, I mean, we're like well, really different people here. No, we really are. But but <laughs> well, I do want... <laughs> that, that's what our friend Joseph Backholm, uh, who used to be in Washington, now he's with our good good ally organization, Family Research Council. That's that's exactly what he said, Eva, is we just need to, uh, we just need to let anybody the know they can... They can identify as pregnant and uh, get a free trip to California. Well, as as we as we let Jonathan go, you know, we just want to to just leave this with our listeners. You know that when you talk about a sanctuary state or a sanctuary city, you would think that the womb would be the best sanctuary to be, the most protected place that you could be. And we're finding out in this nation that it's not always. Well, sanctuary means safety. Exactly. It doesn't mean killing fields. Well, depends on who you're, you know, as Jonathan mentioned, you know, you've got the Planned Parenthood people. They're standing on the mountain with the wind blowing their cape and all that. And they're going, we are the future of abortion. You know, it's just very, very sad. But Jonathan, we appreciate all the hard work you're doing there in the state of California. And we send you off with our, with our loved blessing and good wishes as you continue the great work the Lord has called you to do. God bless like, your work. God bless your work. Th- thank you both. And God bless you. I know Hawaii is likewise... A difficult state. I think, um, Eva, remind me, you, you, you have currently one pro-life Republican in your state Senate. Is that right? One senator, yes. That's a, that's a Republican. Um, I think he is pro-life. I think we could say he's pro-life. I'm pretty sure so, he is. Yeah. So I would say uh, the fact that I have 900% more uh, senators, <laughs> I, I thought it was bad that I have only nine. But um, whenever I talk with you, I, I, I thank the Lord that I have a slightly larger margin than you do. So I know you guys have a hard... Hard job as well. Thank you for the work you do. It's it's a blessing and an honor to partner alongside you and the good people of Hawaii. And God bless you all. I'll be praying for your state as well. Thanks, Jonathan. And we'll have you back to talk about the wonderful issue of marijuana. <laughs> Aloha. 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 Bye-bye. All right. Well, Jim, it's always a pleasure to find out what our brothers and sisters across the nation are doing. But I know there's a couple of things I know because I've worked with you for so long. I know that you always roll your eyes whenever you hear about these other states that have referendum. <laughs> I was waiting because we don't get yes, one. Yes, I was waiting for you to complain about that, right? Well, referendum. <laughs> actually, you know, the thing that we really need to when we hear this stuff, wow, look at what this legislature's doing. I you know, the V word is a big deal for me. And people voted those guys into office. If they hadn't voted those guys into office, that bill wouldn't be passing. And we have the same problem here and across the country. And I think what it is is we sort of thought it couldn't get this bad, so we sort of abandoned our obligations. It got this bad. we got to grab the bull by the horn, the tiger by the tail, the ballot by the corner, and we've got to vote now, now, now. We absolutely have to be much more conscious conscious about what it's we're doing. It's good to be conscious. Well, that too, that too. Um, you know, when you're at the at, when you're at the ballot, you know, brothers and sisters, you know, don't just check off that name because it's recognizable to you. Call don't, them up and don't, ask them what do you stand for. We the Hawaii Family Forum Voter Guide. It's available now. Go to the HawaiiFamilyForum.org. Check that voter guide out. Yes, we know not everybody responded, but you can click those links on the PDF and you can go to the website site 
find out, this is a big thing. If you're listening, you're watching this right now, check and see who is making donations to that campaign. You can do that very easily by going to the Campaign Spending Commission. Find out where they're getting their money. Online. You don't have to walk and park. That's right. It's online. It's online. And you can find out who does Planned Parenthood support? You know, who does all of these other organizations? Because I guarantee you, what is the big saying? Follow the money. Yep. Follow the money. Find out who they're giving to. Um, ask questions. Make those phone calls. Find out what they so stand I for. So I received a card from somebody running for the house in, in my area. And they said on it that they were for improving the schools. But I know that this person is not in agreement with me on what's good to improve the schools. So the, uh, there was no phone number on the mailer. So I looked up the phone number and uh, on the elections office website and I called, and I didn't get through, and I called again, I didn't get through. So I really want to ask this person to tell me what is going to improve the schools if that person gets to vote in the legislature. It's so easy to do. When they send you the card and they claim they're for stuff, it's all vague. So call them up and make them stake out their claim. And do not call me. Do not call me and ask me who to vote for. I work call for a me, 501c3 HFA. organization. I cannot do that. If you send me an email asking me who to vote She's for, gonna I'm going to send it to, it to Jim because anyway. I cannot do that. But um, Jim, that is interesting. When people are making those phone calls and you're responding to them, you know, what are you finding that they're asking? I mean, what are they trying to, to do? In, in okay. Well, it's happened twice this week from you. Both people wanted to know who was pro-life, so the pro-life issue that we're dealing with today is is much on people's minds here, too, I'm guessing. Um, and it's really easy in Hawaii to identify who's pro-life because we are so split down the middle culturally, um, it's an issue that's easy to figure out. Well, and I think the Dobbs decision made it very easy, too, because... I don't care who the guys that are already in office, they've been very clear whether they support a woman's right to choose or not. I mean, I, I got to say that if, if that's an issue that means something to you, it's pretty easy to find out where somebody stands on that issue. So, um, you know, again, you know, as we end this, this broadcast today, we really want to make it a point that we have a duty and a responsibility to vote. And when we take our vote into the voting booth or when you're sitting at your table, we're getting ready to make that check, you know, Remember that your vote keeps on voting. And by the way, you can bring your ballot in person to Honolulu Hale, the city hall in Kapolei, the one in the windward side. There's four on Oahu between August 1st and August 12th all day long, every every workday. And if you've mailed your ballot in, you can track your ballot. Make sure you do that so that you know where it is and that they got it. Um, I, I do think that... Um, it is our responsibility to make sure that our vote is counted. I'm going to photocopy mine after I fill it out so I have proof. So I already voted and I emailed my ballot in. So Who'd I hope for? you did the same thing. And I'm going to ignore Who'd that Jim is for? talking to me for? right Who'd now. You vote for? Um, and we <laughs> and you want to stay tuned for next week's show because Jim is going to be doing a He's going to be going over one of the great um, workshops that he was able to do at One Love. So give a, a quick um, briefing. Yeah, it's parents' rights in the public schools in Hawaii. Susan Duffy who has spent an awful lot of time studying the CRT stuff, critical race theory, and the uh, ESSER funding out of the COVID stuff and all that stuff in the public schools. She and I are going to do it because you were gone, and so you you weren't able to join us. It's still going to be fun, I hope. But, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about. So we will see you all next week. Make sure you like this video, subscribe, share, and comment, comment, comment. And we will see you online.
next week. Mahalo, everybody. See you later. Aloha.